0: All right, ladies and gentlemen, you are locked on Falcons. I'm your host, Aaron Freeman. And today we're continuing our year in positional reviews where we're looking at the Falcons tight end position, talking quite a bit about how despite Kyle Pitts having an outstanding rookie season, it still feels like he's only scratching the surface of his NFL potential.
1: You are locked on Falcons, your daily Atlanta Falcons podcast part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day.
0: So guys, you know me, I'm Aaron Freeman, been covering the Falcons for many years, formerly at FalkFans.com, RIP, still going strong on Twitter, at falcfans, writing weekly content for the Falcoholic, the SB Nation website for the Atlanta Falcons, and of course, the host of this preeminent Locked on Falcons podcast, your daily Atlanta Falcons podcast right here on the Locked on podcast network, your team every day. And before we get into today's tight end year in positional review, where we'll be talking about Kyle Pitts, Hayden Hurst, Lee Smith, Parker Hesse, Jaden Graham, and what's next for the Falcons at this tight end position. I want to thank everyone that makes Locked on Falcons their first listen each and every day. And of course, Locked on Falcons is free and available in a variety of the podcast platforms, including Apple, Odyssey, Google, and Spotify. And of course, you can also check out Lockdown Falcons on YouTube. Make sure you subscribe to the Locked on Falcons YouTube channel and give us a like when you do. So today we're going to start off talking quite a bit about Kyle Pitts. And I want to give a disclaimer at the top because it's going to sound like more that I'm talking about what Kyle Pitts wasn't as a rookie season, uh, as far as he And the reason why I'm doing that is not to be negative towards Kyle Pitts, but it does sort of feel like uh you know there was some meat left on the bone the analogy i would use it's like it's going to an expensive high end steakhouse and you get that tomahawk ribeye steak that's you know the bulk of why you pay 50 60 whatever you pay uh for that meal and the steak is delicious and you come out of there thinking man this is one of the five best steaks i've ever had that's basically what kyle pitt's rookie season is but you also, as part of that meal, you get like a, two sides of you know mashed potatoes and i don 't know asparagus, and the mashed potatoes are just okay. And the asparagus is undercooked or overcooked, or not seasoned properly, or whatever the case may be. And part of you also sits here and goes, "Man, that could have been an even better meal had you know the sides lived up to the potential." But you know that the main reason why you went to the steakhouse was to get that delicious steak, and that's where like objectively Kyle Pitts had a historically great rookie season. Uh, that he's the sort of steak in this analogy, where he finished with over a thousand yards, just fifty ones yards shy of breaking Mike Ditka's rookie year tight end record for yardage, Um, you know, he set back in 1960. It's a testament to how great Kyle Pitts was. You know, he probably could have broken it had he not been injured in that season finale against the Saints. Um, And so I think it's definitely true that Kyle Pitts was absolutely outstanding. It's objectively true that he had a great rookie season, but yet we still have that lingering feeling. I'm sure many of you myself uh, has that lingering feeling where it's like, was there some meat left on the bone? Was there some potential for this season to be even better? And part of that, people will talk about the fact that he only had one touchdown this season despite all those yards. And we'll circle back to sort of that red zone conversation um but you kind of look at Kyle Pitts's season and you look at it and you break it down and you're like 75 percent of his yards over 75 percent of his yards came in like nine games this year in those nine games he averaged 87 yards per game he averaged five catches on seven targets in those games so he was basically averaging over 17 and a half yards per reception 12 yards per target those would be you know at the top if not top One, but top three in the NFL at all wide receiver positions. He was catching like 75%. Uh, of his targets in those games. Again, something that is elite among uh, the receiving position, whether we're talking about tight ends or whatever the case may be. But then you kind of look at the other eight games he had this year where he was averaging three catches on six targets for 30 yards, 10 yards per reception, five yards per target, which is numbers on par with players like Robbie Anderson or Jalen Rieger, two wide receivers that were considered major disappointments this past season. And I don't point that out as a knock against Pitts to say, Oh, like he was great in half the season and terrible in the other half of the season, but it does sort of speak to the notion that it felt like for large chunks of, of the season, particularly early in the season, it felt like there was more opportunities to get Kyle Pitts more involved. And I've heard from your feedback and comments that you guys have made to me uh, over the course of the season, where it always felt like even though Kyle Pitts sort of, again, objectively is playing at a high level, particularly compared to other players, it does feel like he could p- be playing at an even higher level and one does wonder in some of those games where Kyle Pitts wasn't necessarily putting up monster production again you know averaging three catches a game and going back to yesterday's episode where we talked about the wide receiver position you know that's production on par with what you would typically expect out of a uh, pretty typical number three wide receiver in the NFL and half of Kyle Pitts's season uh, projects like that and it, it, it feels like could he have gotten more opportunities in those games and it's similar to the conversation that you heard uh, people talking about the Dallas Cowboys post their playoff game where CD lamb was relatively quiet in that game. And people were criticizing their play caller and Kellen Moore about not being able to get him involved, getting their best weapon uh, more of those manufactured targets in that game. And I think that's kind of a fair critique of, Arthur Smith, you know, why did it take until week 17 uh, for the Falcons to attempt their first tight end screen to Kyle Pitts this past season, you know, as a testament to potentially opportunities to get Kyle Pitts some easy targets and let him, you know, create after the catch. And then you can look at sort of the lack of red zone production from Kyle Pitts. And we're not going to take a deeper look at that on today's episode. I think maybe I'll save that for potentially later this week where we can do a full breakdown of Kyle Pitts and the rest of the Falcons red zone offense. Um, But, you know, essentially what it boils down to, I'll give you a spoiler on what we're going to be talking about with Kyle Pitts specifically, is you can certainly criticize Pitts that he had some opportunities to win at the catch point and he didn't consistently do that this year on some of these. These lob plays, but it also felt like Arthur Smith was very basic in designing, you know, some of these plays that were basically lobs uh, to Kyle Pitts, and that just didn't feel like he was really doing a great job holding up his end of the bargain as the play card to really put Kyle Pitts in advantageous situations. But that's where we're kind of we'll circle back to being a little bit more positive rather than focusing on the, the, the lacking, you know, some of that meat on the bone. Let's finish up talking our conversation about Kyle Pitts being a little bit more positive. And one of those is sort of looking at the parallels between Kyle Pitts' rookie season and Julio Jones' rookie season, where similarly to Kyle Pitts, Julio in his rookie season, coming in with those high expectations, also kind of most of his production came in a handful of games, a half dozen or, or six or seven games that rookie season. And then the other half of the season that he was healthy for, Uh, you know, wasn't necessarily putting up monster production each and every week. And of course, we know Julio Jones was able to build upon that very shortly thereafter, going into year two and playing at a Hall of Fame level in subsequent years. And I think Pitts will also improve going into his second year. And time will tell if he's going to play at a Hall of Fame level. Um, But I think that potential is definitely there. And speaking of that, that's kind of part of the issue surrounding Kyle Pitts is it feels like there's unfair standards surrounding him where he's kind of expected to be this Hall of Famer, you know, and and part of that is owed to the parallels between himself and Julio Jones. The fact that he's, you know, being essentially in year one expected to fill the Julio Jones size hole in the Falcons offense, following immediately on the footsteps of Julio Jones in this Falcons offense. They were both sort of similarly generational uh, talents that were expected to transform and or carry the, the Falcons offense, and, you know, you compare their rookie seasons that were very similar. And, you know, it makes for us some obvious and sometimes lazy comparisons. And then you couple that with how highly they were drafted at the time. And we're not going to get into the conversation surrounding Kyle Pitts's draft standard, but essentially all it means is Kyle Pitts' expectations for him are extremely high. And I just basically illustrated that by spending eight minutes talking about, you know, why he had a great season, but yet, you know, it still feels like he could be even greater. And so essentially it boils down to, we just had a great meal at the steakhouse, a great steak, but we came out of the restaurant complaining about the mashed potatoes and the asparagus rather than focusing on the steak. And I just basically fell into that same trap and I will probably continue to fall into that same trap from time to time. And so Basically, I'm I'm saying to you guys, if you also find yourself falling into that trap, that's, you know, some, those are some of the reasons why it's just you can't help but think about the potential and the Hall of Fame and all these various things. And it's not really fair to Kyle Pitts, but we will try it, it, as much as we can to be fair. Of Kyle Pitts, particularly when we're talking about, you know, those side dishes or whatever the case may be. And speaking of those side dishes, we'll get into the sort of the equivalent of the side dishes at the tight end position by talking about some of the backups like Lee Smith, Hayden Hurst, Parker Hesse, and more as we continue today's uh, year in positional breakdown for this tight end group on lockdown Falcons. But before we get there, guys, again, I want to thank you guys for making lockdown Falcons your first listen each and every day. And I always have recommendations for what your second listen should be. And of course, today I'm plugging the lockdown Hawks podcast, where host Brad Roland uh, is giving you the lowdown every single day on the Atlanta Hawks uh, in their NBA NBA season. So go check out the lockdown Hawks podcast uh, on the same podcast platforms that you can find. Locked on Falcons. So we're talking about dining out in expensive steakhouses. And of course, you're going to need money for that. Why not earn some by heading over to betonline.ag, which remains the number one spot for all your sports wagering action. This calendar year in 2022, you can sign up today and use the promo code locked on when you do so that you can receive a 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. And you can use that welcome bonus to bet on the upcoming conference championship games where the chiefs are seven point favorites over the Bengals, The Rams are Three and a half point favorites over the 49ers, despite the fact that they've lost six straight games against the 49ers. They're begging for you to throw money on the 49ers, but you know where my loyalties lie. Unfortunately, my three team parlay did not come through. Shout out to you, Aaron Rodgers, for letting me down. On that front, and of course, you know, the overtime rules let me down on my Bills bet, but it's neither here nor there. Whether you want to bet on football, basketball, hockey, boxing, UFC, all the way to your favorite Vegas casino games, Online is the fastest and easiest way to wager on all your favorite sports. So don't wait and take advantage of all the amazing offers available at Online where the game starts. So when we talk about the Falcons backup tight ends, let's start by talking about Hayden Hurst and regular listeners of the podcast sort of have heard me say this before. uh, And similarly to, um, you know, feeling like Arthur Smith let down Kyle Pitts in in a number of ways. It feels like Arthur Smith let down uh, Hayden Hurst in a lot more ways. Um, and so when we talk about leaving meat on the bone, Hayden Hurst really does seem to epitomize that. And so you kind of have this balance where, again, even though we, I can sit here and nitpick uh, Arthur Smith in his usage of Kyle Pitts, particularly when it comes to the red zone, um, for the most part, it's evidence, again, objectively, Kyle Pitts had a great rookie season. So you got to give Arthur Smith credit for that. But then you kind of balance that out or at least somewhat, you know, tip the scales uh, away from that. Uh, when you look at how he utilized Hayden Hurst, which was primarily as a blocking tight end. If you look at the first seven weeks of the season, when we had a healthy Calvin Ridley, or, or at least a playing Calvin Ridley, um, You know, before he stepped aside due to his mental health, you know, about 40% of Hayden Hurst's blocking snaps, he was asked to be a blocker, uh, according to PFF. Uh, and that compares to last year, where it was less than 30%, obviously, when he was primarily the pass catcher and starter at that tight end position. And then what's interesting is from week eight onward. So once Calvin Ridley uh, stepped aside um, and and took a break from football to deal with his mental health, you would assume that, okay, the Falcons have some lacking issues at the wide receiver position. So they're going to need Hayden Hurst uh, to be more involved in the passing game to help fill that Calvin Ridley size hole in their offense. Well, guess what? Hayden Hurst's went from 40% of his snaps being used as a blocker uh, when Ridley was out there to 50% of his snaps being used as a blocker when Ridley was not out there. And so that doesn't really make sense. And that's the crux of some of my criticism when we talk about Arthur Smith and whether or not he was getting the most out of the talent here in Atlanta. In some cases, again, like Kyle Pitts, he was getting not all the talent, but you know, he was getting most of it out. Uh, and then in Hayden Hurst it only felt like, you know, he was not even coming close to that. And so why take a guy that's a subpar blocker, uh, in a at least above average pass catcher, if not better, uh, and ask him to block more and catch less. It doesn't really make sense in that scenario that the Falcons found themselves in lacking some of the weapons at the wide receiver position. And you go back to Hayden Hurst's time in Baltimore, uh, where one of the big reasons why he fell out of favor in Baltimore was because he was being asked to block as much and he wasn't. Necessarily carrying his weight in that regard Uh, and his usage in Atlanta kind of was comparable in terms of, you know, 45, 50 percent of his snaps being used as a blocker in Baltimore's very heavy run system. So now that Hayden Hurst's 2021 is done, it doesn't look like he's going to be returning in 2022 now that he's an impending free agent. I won't say the chances of his return are zero. But I would sit here and bet that they're probably in the single digits uh, in turn of a in terms of a percentage chance that he does return this upcoming season, just because I feel like the Falcons completely misutilize him, and of course Hayden Hurst is probably going to flee for greener pastures to to go to an offense where his pass catching abilities will be. Better utilized Now, uh, a player that the Falcons did get a decent amount of production from a pass catcher, at least on a very limited basis, was the third tight end, that's Lee Smith. Of course, primarily Lee Smith's role in this offense was to block about 86% of his snaps. He was used as a blocker, and he did a pretty good job there. He wasn't perfect by any means, but for the most part, he did a really solid job and showcased why he's been one of the best blocking tight ends in the league for over a decade. Um, when you look at all the tight ends, that played at least a hundred blocking snaps. So, you know, a hundred of their offensive snaps came as blockers and 60% of their overall offensive snaps, uh, were came as blockers. If you look at that group of tight ends, um, you know, uh, that would be a, a relatively fair cutoff, in my opinion, to basically say, OK, those are the guys that are considered, quote unquote, blocking tight ends. Those guys, that's over 60 percent of their snaps come as blockers. Lee Smith was 11th ranked, according to Pro Football Focus, as a run blocker among tight ends this year. Uh, now, what's funny is when you look at that list, another name jumps out to you, uh, you know, not. A current Falcon, but a former Falcon that was fourth on that list. And that's none other than Eric Saubert, uh, the former Falcons player that landed in Denver this past year, where, of course, none other than the spectacular Wade Harmon is the Broncos tight ends coach. And longtime listeners know uh, I only bring that up because several years ago when Wade Harmon moved on from Atlanta, a listener asked me a question about you know, who are the best assistant coaches on the team. And I said, I don't really know if this coaching staff is, is chock full. And this was a prior, roughly prior to the time where most fans were turning on this coaching staff. So I was a, an innovator and an icon uh, when it came to that. But basically what I said was like, oh, the only coach I know is good at his job is Wade Harmon. And then like two weeks later, the Falcons did not renew his contract. And I was like, of course. Right. So, um, you know, that just kind of speaks to that. And so the fact that Wade Harmon was able to turn Eric Solbert a player that was not necessarily known for his blocking prowess into an effective blocker this past year in Denver, uh, sort of speaks to Wade Harmon again, strikes again to prove in you know, that take from like two, three years ago that he's, you know, one of the few good coaches position coaches on this roster, but Lee Smith like Hayden Hurst, Uh, getting back to the subject at hand, is an impending free agent. And the expectation at least based off of Kyle Pitts' social media post from a couple of weeks ago is that he will retire. Uh, And so if that's the case, we say kudos to Lee Smith for doing a good job uh, this year. And despite my initial criticism of that acquisition uh, you know, back in in February last year, certainly I think Lee Smith deserves a lot of praise from myself. I apologize, Lee, uh, for being critical of that move. You certainly outperformed my expectations this year and and proved why you've made carved out in what an eleven year career as one of the top blocking tight ends in the NFL and a rare player that has truly made an entire career and a very effective career, uh, being primarily used as a blocker. You can kind of look at another guy like Mercedes Lewis who, you know, has carved out a nice niche as a blocking tight end. But for the first decade or so of Mercedes Lewis's career, uh, he was primarily a receiver with the Jaguars and only in the last five or so years with the Packers has been asked to be a blocking tight end. So, you know, if the Falcons do lose both Hurst and Smith this offseason, that does open up two potential voids in terms of their tight end depth. And rather than automatically assuming that they're going to go outside the organization to fill those this offseason, they do have some potential in-house options Uh, that includes Jaden Graham and Parker Hesse. Let's talk about Jaden Graham. He's kind of a forgotten man given that he spent this entire season on injured reserve with a knee injury. Uh, But we saw Jaden Graham a couple of years ago in Atlanta seemed like a guy that was suited to fill a Hayden Hurst type of role in this offense as a guy that can give you production, both as a blocker and as a pass catcher in that 2019 season. He was one of pro football Focus's higher graded run blockers that year. Uh, and also flashed that effective skill set stepping in for an injured Austin Hooper uh, as a pass catcher and, and showing a level of athleticism that I think is very comparable to what Hayden Hurst brings to the table. Um, and of course, he was not able to build off of that. in the ensuing year in 2020 where his blocking was generally poor and then he also had little impact in the passing game and so I feel like there's still that potential that untapped potential with Jaden Graham to be that two-way player and that's been something that we have talked about on this podcast since that 2019 breakout season where he was one of the more improved players on the Falcons roster back then and he has yet to fulfill that over the last two years and obviously most recently due to injuries so I feel like the opportunity and the potential is still there, but I'm not convinced that this new regime is going to give him the same opportunity that the previous regime tried to give him. He is going to be a restricted free agent this offseason, and more than likely, it would I would guess that the team will not tender him as a restricted free agent and thus allow him to hit the market as an unrestricted free agent, but that doesn't necessarily mean that he's as good as gone in, in the same way that we look at guys like Hayden Hurst and, and Lee Smith due to retirement. They could potentially re sign him on a sort of veteran minimum contract. You see that constantly with teams uh, as a way to sort of save money from tendering restricted free agents. So maybe he could be brought back to compete in camp, and we'll just sort of have to see about that. But I'm not necessarily overly optimistic that that will be the outcome. But it's certainly a possibility. As for Parker Hesse, he seems ideally suited to fill that Lee smith size hole in the offense as a primarily a blocking tight end. So if we were to lower our threshold from 100 uh, snaps, uh, blocking snaps to 72, which is what Hesse had this past year, and instead of 60 of his offensive snaps being used as a blocker, just 50 eight, again, to allow Hesse to qualify, he would have ranked as the eighth best run blocking tight end in the NFL this past season. And that was the thing that always stood out to me in the few opportunities that Hesse had to play this year. He always seemed to stand out as a blocker on film. And so I think that TE3 role that Lee Smith filled where he's asked mostly to block uh, rather than pass catch. I think Hesse is well suited for that role. And while he's not nearly as good an athlete as Graham, and therefore I don't necessarily see him being as ideally suited to fill that TE2 role that Hayden Hurst fills where you do want a guy, even though, you know, I sat here and complained about Hurst not getting as many opportunities as I think he should have, you know, still 50 to 60% of the time he was asked, you know, to be more of a pass catcher. And I don't necessarily know if that's where Hesse's uh, bread will be buttered. So I don't think that makes really sense for him, but as a third option, I think he makes a ton of sense. So between him and Graham, I would certainly bet uh, that Hesse is part of the team's plans moving forward, given how well he played as a blocker to potentially fill that third tight end spot. Uh, but we'll talk about what the team's plans are this off season As we continue today's locked on Falcons uh, and talk about some of the potential free agent targets that you could see the Falcons uh, targeting at this tight end position as we uh, continue today's episode. Uh, But before we get there, guys, I want to let you know that Brian Peacock and former NFL scout Matt Williamson, the hosts of the Peacock and Williamson NFL show are hitting the road as they are headed to L.A. next month for Super Week uh, to get all the great coverage that they will provide then, as well as now in all the games and NFL storylines leading up to the big game. Subscribe to the Peacock and Williamson podcast on whatever this podcast that you're currently listening to today's Locked on Falcons podcast on. So speaking of hitting the road, traveling means that you're going to have to pay for gas. And we know that that can be expensive, but not anymore with a new app called get upside. You can get cash back and save every time you fill up because every time you fill up with get upside, you get 25 cents back per gallon and there's no catch. It's all free. You can download it for free in the app store or on Google play. All you got to do is open the app, go to any of the eligible gas stations near you. There are thousands of locations all over the place. You claim the offer you fill up and they put money into your account and you can cash out anytime with direct payments into your bank account, PayPal or do like me and get them on Amazon gift cards. And now when you open an account and use our special promo code touchdown, you get a bonus 25 cents back per gallon on your first fill up. That's up to 50 cents back per gallon. Don't pay full price at the pump anymore. Download the free get upside app and use our promo code touchdown. When you sign up, that's get upside promo code touchdown to start saving every time you fill up.
1: They'll tell you which college football stars your team will be taking in the 2024 NFL Draft. Check out Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day.
0: So as I said earlier, I'm very high on Kyle Pitts' potential at this position. Uh, but the real questions surrounding this offseason at the tight end position is going to be about how the Falcons fill sort of some of these depth roles. As I said earlier, the the Potential is high that the Falcons lose their two primary backup, uh, tight ends. And again, while I think Jaden Graham has the potential to fill one of those spots, um, you know, I doubt that the team is going to necessarily feel the same way and necessarily uh, give him that opportunity. I think they're more than likely going to bring in somebody to fill that second tight end spot and probably pencil in Hesse as the third tight end. And maybe they bring back a guy like Jaden Graham into camp. Obviously, the Falcons also signed a guy from the CFL and Braden Linius, uh, who's a sort of a big bodied receiver, 230, 240 pounds, that could also be in the mix and, and give the team some value as a pass catcher off the bench. But obviously, based off of the way, uh, that the Falcons utilized the Titans this past year. It does seem like Arthur Smith once more blocking uh, ability than necessarily pass catching ability. So one does wonder where sort of leaning is uh, fits into the mix, but we'll just sort of have to see uh, maybe he could be in sort of a gym, a CFL gym, uh, you know, sort of waiting in the wings, a diamond in a rough, so to speak, uh, that we could see uh, develop in, into, uh, you know, a, a pretty decent role player for this team moving forward. But, um, you know, in terms of filling the death roles, we're probably looking at draft. We're probably looking at free agency and whether or not the Falcons target Uh, potential backup tight ends that can bring more value as a blocker Uh, in either one of those avenues remains to be seen. I haven't necessarily done my full homework on this tight end draft class, uh, but from what I've heard and what I've read from various folks, it seems to suggest that it's a a pretty deep draft class. It's not great at the top of the draft, but you know, in those middle rounds, those late rounds, you'll be able to find some decent talent there. So I think that's certainly a a possibility and avenue for the Falcons, particularly on day three of the draft, where it does feel like, you know, there's a, high probability sitting here today that they could pull the trigger on a tight end. But part of the reason why I haven't done my homework on that tight end draft class and probably won't do it until much later this offseason season is come because uh, I'm kind of waiting until March to see what the Falcons do in free agency and whether or not uh, they address their potential tight end needs there. Um, and, and so therefore, if they do do that, then I can probably – skip you know really taking a deep dive on this tight end class and that will allow me to take a deeper dive at other positions of need uh you know you got to be very mindful of how you spend your time you know as much as i grind that film each and every day guys you know you don't have endless amount of hours in the day but uh you know i think when you look at some of the free agent options you know there's a lot of potential pieces that the falcons could target and i I think a lot depends on sort of how much the Falcons value this potential role in their offense. And are they willing to spend money in free agency or will they sort of look for more cheaper options? Like they kind of did last year with Lee Smith or whatever the case may be, because you have some potential options that may be a little bit more on the expensive side. You have quote unquote, you know, failed starters like uh, David Njoku and OJ Howard, some two high round draft picks that do have a little bit more blocking ability in Hayden Hurst, but also offer some potential as pass catchers to be more of that dual threat tight end. Uh, Then Hayden Hurst was able to fulfill this past year. Another guy, that has been a very productive tight end in, in a very similar role is Mo Ali Cox uh, with the Colts has been sort of their number two tight end there uh, and bringing value as a, a, both a pass catcher and run blocker in that regard. And he doesn't necessarily have that former first round pedigree that guys like Injoku and Howard have, but has certainly turned himself into a very solid number two tight end these past couple of years. Uh, could the Falcons target some guys that Arthur Smith is familiar with from his Tennessee days. You have three, impending free agents that were tight ends under Arthur Smith there Anthony Ferkser Michael Pruitt and Jeff Swain Ferkser is more of a pass catcher than a, a blocker uh, so you wonder about that fit but Michael Pruitt and Swain certainly specialized as blockers these last couple of years and so could you potentially lure one of those guys for cheaper than potentially you would have to pay for an Njoku or a Howard and there's plenty of other options other names like Max Williams is out there as a guy that has performed as a very capable number two tight end uh that has blocking ability from his days in baltimore uh that's now currently with the cardinals could be also an option so there are plenty of other names that we could go through and maybe at a later date we might go through some of those potential targets uh so it's Curious to see if the Falcons do wind up pursuing one of those guys and, and what that does to their draft plans at the tight end position. If they do go out there and sign a free agent uh, in March, and it probably pushes tight into the back burner, potentially as a late round flyer type of thing where it's uh, truly a best player available in like round five, six or seven where it's like, Hey, this guy, you know, we had a fourth round grade on this guy and he fell to round six. Let's take a flyer on him or something like that. And one does wonder sort of how big a priority tight end is going to be given some of the other skill positions on offense where it does seem like the Falcons have a little bit more of a pressing need, whether that's running back or wide receiver, but in a world where the Falcons are successfully able to retain Cordero Patterson or Mike Davis or uh, Russell Gage or Calvin Ridley this offseason, uh, then maybe that allows tight end to you know move up um, the totem pole in terms of you know potential priorities. Again, I don't necessarily know uh, if the Falcons are going to super prioritize that position, but if we're sitting there and we're saying, okay, our top two running backs, our top two receivers are, are back, and basically now we just need to find a, that second tight end to back up Kyle Pitts and be more of that inline guy, that could be something that you could see as a third or fourth round target that could take precedent over some other positions of need that we sort of stare at right now and say, okay, that's a more pressing issue again, because the Falcons may look at a, a BPA type of strategy uh, and, and feel like, you know, one of these tight ends in this re- again, allegedly uh relatively deep tight end class could outshine some of the players that maybe some other more priority to position. So that's going to be something that we're going to have to see unfold again right now. I don't have answers, just more questions at this point in time, but I do think the tight end depth is going to be something that the Falcons do address, whether it's in March or whether it's in April that I do think that's a position where the Falcons are going to look for some viable backup options here at the position, because I do think we know that Arthur Smith loves his tight ends and they got to mention Felipe Franks again, technically Felipe, Bay Franks could be in the mix at this tight end position to potentially fill those Hayden Hurst uh, shoes you know again I don't think the Falcons going to necessarily pencil them, but given you know the presence of guys like Jaden Graham and Parker Hesse and Brayden Lenius and and Felipe Franks, uh, as well as, you know, the guys that we picked up on the practice squad, John Rainey and, and whoever else, you know, the Falcons could have a lot of competition for some of these backup spots. And maybe that means that the Falcons will go cheap at the position and hope that through the power of competition, one or more of these guys will emerge uh, rather than necessarily spending the money in March or spending the draft capital in April. So that's also a possibility, but I do sit here today right now and think uh, that if all things are equal, the Falcons will find, a potential tight end at some point in March or April to help, you know, supplement their depth. So we'll just sort of see how that goes guys. And tomorrow's episode, I still have to reach out uh, to confirm this, but hopefully we'll have a guest on. And if we don't, then that will allow us probably to do that red zone breakdown. If not, then we'll just save the red zone breakdown uh, for Thursday. And then potentially Friday, we should be able to get into the offensive line. Uh, So that should be the plan for the rest of the week. I I hope you guys appreciate, uh, you know, what, we did on this year end breakdown, and we got many more to come in the coming days and weeks. And of course, if you want to provide your feedback to anything I discussed on today's episode, if you want, if you like the steakhouse analogy or you hate it, uh, you know, let me know. Hit me up on Twitter or Facebook at Lockdown Falcons. You can send an email to lockdownfalcons at mail.com, or you can leave a comment here on the Lockdown Falcons YouTube channel uh, to let me know, you know, if I was right on my steakhouse analogy when it comes to Kyle Pitts' uh, rookie season or not, or whatever the case may be. So uh, definitely do that. And of course, you know, the other thing you should do is listen to the locked on Bets podcast. In addition to all the local shows like locked on Hawks, locked on Braves and locked on Bulldogs. Of course, locked on bets is free and available on all the same platforms that you can find locked on Falcons. uh, And of course, Lee Sterling, the uh, handicapping expert of paramount sports is giving you the lowdown each and every day with a daily picks blowout specials. And of course, Lee's lock of the day. So check out the lockdown bench podcast available on Apple, Odyssey, Google, or Spotify. So guys, that's going to do it for us here on today's lockdown Falcons. Appreciate it. Till then.
1: Hey, prime members, you can listen to this lockdown podcast ad free on Amazon music. Download the Amazon music app today.